Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirim and Daf Yom. My name is Yitzchak Shalom. We're now in Masachet Baba Kava Daf Ayin Chet Bet. In the beginning of the fifth Mishnah, the first half of the first fifth Mishnah of the seventh parak, and we're now going to define the contours of Mechira, which will generate liability for Avraham Chamisha. Mecharochutz me'achad me'ashabo. If the ganav sold the animal, except for one one hundredth, in other words, even a fraction, which he did not sell. Or he had some sort of partnership in this animal. We'll see what that means. Or in Tvicha, if he did the Shechita and the animal became a Hanocher, or he knifed, he stabbed it to death. He pulled out the Simanim. In any of these cases, Okay. What does this mean, one one-hundredth? Only something which shechita makes mutar, and he held that back. So, for instance, the meat, and he held even a little bit of the meat back, that's not called a full mechira. Only if he held back the shearings. Brighta said the same thing. So, we have the following challenges we'll see. We have three opinions about what being held back will generate a lack of liability or will not generate liability. And we'll see as follows. <clears throat> According to this first opinion, we'll call Tanakama. If you sold the animal and held back a hand, foot, a horn, shearing, in other words, anything, there's no Abrahamisha. Rabbi Omer, Davarma, Something which holds back Shechita, and we'll see what that means. Uh, would then not uh, generate liability. But if it's something that does not get in the way of shechita, then if you sold it instead of shechted it, you are liable. The only thing, um, uh, if you sold it, uh, except for the horns, then you don't pay. But if you held back the shearings, then you do pay Arba B'chamisha. So if you sold the whole animal except for the shearings, that's called a full sale, but not the horn. Now, So Levi's opinion, which is Gizoteha, uh, meaning anything you held back, makes it an, an incomplete sale. He's, he, so he says like Tanakama that says anything you hold back. Rav, Rav who said Gizoteha, uh, sorry, Rav who said only meat, whose opinion is he following? Amri, Rav Damar Kihaitana, he's holding like the following time. Lazar, and if you have to remember that we just quoted Rabbi Shimon Lazar, Lazar says that if you sell it except for the hand or the foot, in other words, some of the meat, then you don't pay Arba Chamisha. Alright, so that's the opinion that he has. Now we have two different approaches to Rabbi Shimon Lazar, two versions of it, we have to see how that works. But according to this second version of Shemun Lazar, if you held back something like the horns or the shearing, in other words, things that have nothing to do with, that aren't affected by Shechita, then you do pay that's called a full sale. Now, what's the three-way machloket in the Brita? Savar Utfacho Kulobainan. Just like Shechita, you have to shech the whole thing. So Machir, you have to sell the whole thing. Anything you hold back makes it not a mechira. Rabbi Savar, he holds the two together. 
shechting, so that means it has something to do with shechting, as, so that excludes anything that's not connected to the shechita. And selling is just like, uh, it's just like shechita. And therefore, um, and therefore anything that you hold over that's not connected with the shechita is, uh, is not called a holdover. In the first approach that we had, <coughs> says that a horn which is not going to be cut off, have a shear. So if you sell the animal minus the horn, that means you're holding something back that wasn't eventually going to come off the animal, not automatically. But if you sell everything but the shearing, the shearing was going to come off anyways. So lo have a shear. That's not called a holding back. And if you sold the whole animal except for the shearing, then that's called a full sale. And the other version of Rabbi Shimon Lazar says, You're the hands and the feet, meaning the meat, that need shechita to them, have a shear. But you could uh, take the shearings off an animal without shechting, and you could take the horns off without shechting it. Therefore, law of a shear, that's not holding it back. Parenthetically, we have a contradiction with Shimon Lazar. The answer is, we have two versions. Okay, Let's if an a person stole an animal that already had a missing limb, or was lame, or was blind, or if somebody stole an animal owned by partners, chayav. Vishutfim shaganvu, but partners who steal, pturim. We'll see how this plays out. Aiva tanya shutfim shaganvu chayavin. We have a writer that says they're chayav. Nachman, so Nachman gave the first answer. Lokasha, kan vishutaf shagam mechavero. If a partner stole from the other partner, then he's patur, because he owned it already, he owned it, half owned it. As opposed to a partner who steals from somewhere else. Rava challenged Rav Nachman for the following quote. I might think, and we put together, a shutaf who steals from his partner, or a shutafim who steals from somebody else, archayev, Meaning it has to be one ganav who's liable for the entire uh, slaughtering. So if a partner steals from another partner, he's only half stealing. Have two partners steal from somebody else, they're also each of them only half liable. So then there's no liability at all. Which means that your distinction doesn't work because this bright equates the two cases. Allah Amr of Nachman, so Nachman had to retract and give the following explanation. If a partner steals and his and the other partner doesn't know about it, then there's no liability because there's only really half liability. But if the partner stole and shechted without his partner knowing, so the first case was who he knew, then there's liability. Without the not, and that's how we answer that. Now, Rabbi asked the following. Let's say that you sold it except for 30 days, meaning you sold it, but you said for the next 30 days it's not sold. Or you sold it, but not for malacha, meaning any work that it, that it does, that work benefits me. Or you sold it except for its embryo. Mahu. Now we only address the last question, as you'll see, giving the impression at least that the first two cases are clearly a shiur and are not called a mechira. 
According to the Manda Amar who says that an Ubar is considered to be part of the mother, and that's a Machloket in Tamura, and it's mentioned in Ketubot and several other places, then it's very clear. Because you basically said the animal minus its leg, basically. But according to the opinion, it says that the Ubar lav yarechimo. It's not really part of the mother because it's going to come out. Might. Do we say that since right now it's connected to the animal, that's called an omission and an incomplete sale? Or since it's going to be expelled from the body, right? perhaps that's not considered a shear because you sold the entire animal, just not the part that was going to be coming out. There's some who read it the same question with a different perspective. Since it's not part of the mother, it's not a shear. Because if you shechted the mother, the embryo would only become mutar by the shechita of the mother, therefore it's connected intrinsically. Maybe it's considered to be an omission in the sale or a lack in the full sale, the totality of the sale of the mother. The answer is take. Okay, boy, our papa. Our papa asked the following. And we're picking up on where the, the bright that we just had about a, an amputated animal. What happens if you stole it, then you cut off an arm and then you sold it? Do we point out the fact that he didn't sell what he stole? He stole a complete animal, he sold an incomplete animal. Or do we say, you know, what he, so, he sold everything, he didn't keep anything for himself. So he sold everything that the animal was. So is it mechira for Abu Hamish or not? The answer is teiku. Okay, Tanu Baran. Ganavana tan le'acher v'tavach. We have a long list here. If somebody stole, and then he gave it to another person, and that person did the shechita. That's something that we saw earlier in Shimon Shita. Ganavana tan le'acher v'machar. Or he stole it, gave it to another person, and the other person sold it. Ganav v'hiktish. Or he sold it and was maktish. Ganav v'hikif. He stole it, and then used it to pay off a debt. Ganav echlif, or he stole it and he bartered it. Ganav anatad matanai, he stole it and he gave it as a gift. Ganav parachova, he stole it and he used it to pay a debt. Ganav parabekifo, he stole it and he used it to pay off a credit line. Ganav shilach sivlonot bevet chamiv, he stole it and he sent it as a gift to um, to his father-in-law's house, meaning to his fiancée. He still pay avuchamisha. All of these cases still pay avuchamisha. Now, my kamashvan, what's this teaching? So Ashmein and Reisha, the first two cases, teach us that Gana v'natan le'acher v'tavach di'esh le'ach l'dvar And this we saw earlier, that if another person does the shechita on your behalf, then it's still considered shlichut, it's considered that you did it, and you're chayev. Why? Even though we don't normally say yesh le'ach l'dvar ve'ra, chayesh le'ach l'dvar ve'ra, my time, because utfacho o macharo. And that juxtaposition gives us this. Just like a sale requires a third person to be involved. You stole from one, and now you sell to another. Therefore, shkita must also at least be able to include a third person, which is the shochet. And the last part of the Brita teaches that that your chayev because as far that we've already seen, because once you sell it, what do I care if you sold it to a citizen or you sold it to Hektesh? Either way, you changed the the possession. You stole it from A, 
And then you sold it to or gave it to or transferred it to the possession of B. And if B is a citizen or B is hectish, it doesn't matter. Okay, <coughs> the next half of para of Mishtahay and then all of Mishtavav are put together here. Ganav Bershut Valim. Let's say he did the Ganeva in the property of the owner. Then he took it out of their property and did the Shechita, or the Mechira. He stole it and he did the Kenyan outside of the Rishut. And then he brought it back into the Rishut and shechted it there. He did everything outside of the Rishut. Let's say he was in their property, he picked it up, and then he shechted it right there. Patur. Because the assumption of the pasuk is that at some point you're taking it out of the reshut. Hayamoshcho, this is now mishdevav, and this is the part that the gemara is going to comment on. Viotse, let's say he was schlepping the animal out. So he's doing mashicha. Umed bishuta baalim, and it dropped dead before he got out. Patur, because he never got possession of it. He behold, <coughs> now patur here is for the ganev itself. He behold, let's say he picked up the animal in the reshut of the Baalim, which means in the Kenyan. Or he actually got it out of the reshut of Baalim, and then it died. Chayav. Now, this case here is read two different ways. The Rambam and one Lashon and Rashi read it one way, and almost everybody else, the, second, the, the first Lashon and Rashi, and Tosos, and everybody else seems to read this differently. So we're going to take the mainstream approach, which is that we're still talking about the Ganav, and that the Ganav gave this animal, after he stole it, to pay off the, the Pidyon Aben, or the Balchov, to pay off a debt, or L'Shomer Chirim L'Shol, L'Nososachar L'Socher, this to be Shomer divided on, whether it continues to be a Ganav who hands it off to a Shomer, or whether this is now talking about a regular case of a Balabai giving it to a Shomer, Alright, so now, who is it that's pulling it out? In this case, it's the Kohen, or the Balchov, or the Shomer, who's pulling it out of the Rashut. Same thing applies. If he's schlepping it out of the Rashut and it dies before it gets out, then he's Patur. Is he the Ganav? Or is he the Shomer? He's Patur for the, from the, from the Onsim? We'll see a, a Diyun on this in the Gemara. But if he successfully picked it up or got it out of the Rashut and then it died, then he's Chayav. Again, the Ganav is Chayav. Or is the Shomer now Chayav for Onsin? Okay. Boy, Amemer. So Amemer asked the following question. Did the Rabbanon establish the Kenyan of Meshicha for a Shomer or not? <clears throat> try to prove it. We have the four Shomer there. So my love, Shomer, aren't we saying the Shomer is Pater? So you see the Meshicha would be valid, except they didn't get it out of the Rashut. So his answer was, no, it's referring to the Ganav. That Meshicha is a valid Kenyan for a Ganav. So Hatana the Resha, but the Resha already said that. The Resha talked about the Ganav doing Meshicha. So Tana Ganav Shagan Beit Abalim, Tana Ganav Shagan Beit Shomer. So the way that the Gemara is now provisionally constructing it is the first case is a Ganav stealing from the owner, and the second is the Ganav stealing from the Shomer. Amr Ravashi, Lotid Ravashi says, don't push it off like that, because Mali Ganav Shagan Beit Shomer, Mali Ganav Shagan Beit 
Why would I make a dis- difference between the two, a distinction between the two that I need a whole other piece of the Mishnah to repeat the same thing about a Ganav stealing from somebody else instead of the original owners? Alalav Shomer. He said, rather you have to read the second half of the Mishnah as being about the Shomer pulling it out of the house, not the Ganav stealing from the Shomer. So you see that Mashiach is a valid Kenyan for a Shomer. And if a Shomer does a Kenyan of Mashiach, he now accepts liability. Just like the Rabbanon established a Kenyan Mashiach for a purchase, and until you do Mashiach, it's not yours, even though same thing, Mashiach is a valid Kenyan for Shomerin and generates liability. Tanya Namiachi, right? And now another parallel, just like Karka can be acquired through those three Kinyonim, so a rental of property can. Rental of what? We'll see. You think renting out vessels and tools and stuff? There's no star you can write. You can't write a star in the Taltalin. means renting out land. So just like purchasing land happens with those three, renting out land can happen with those three. Let's say they saw that there was somebody who was hiding out in the forest. He was rustling animals and, and shechting them. He has to pay. He never made a kinyan on him. Why should he pay? He took the animal and he, and he hit it with a stick to guide it. That's a Kenyan. But if he was spied, spotted doing this, he's not a Ghanav anymore. He's a Ghazlan. There's no Arba Hamisha for Ghazlan. So since he was hiding from the people, Ghanavu. In other words, even though he was seen, he wasn't a brazen thief in broad daylight, but he's a Ghanav. So what is a gazlan if this isn't a gazlan? An example is that at the end of Sefer Shmuel, there's this uh, series of descriptions of uh, valorous uh, acts of David's soldiers, and one of them says, He stole the spear from the uh, from the uh, the meets this particular Mitzri, and he killed him with it. Rabbi Yochanan <clears throat> the story of the people in Shechem, the lords of Shechem, and their battle against their uh, terrible renegade king of Yimelech, Shnemar, Vayasimu lo balei Shechem me'arvim al rashi ha'arim, Vayigzalu et kol asher yavor alehem badarach. So they were basically highway robbers. Now, Rabbi my time alone why didn't Rabbi Vahu like that Pazak? Since they were hiding out in the mountains, well, Gazlani knew that's not called Gazlani. Rabbi Yochanan, why did what? What's his defense? The reason they were hiding was so people shouldn't run away from them, but their acts of thievery were really out in the open. All right, so that's what a Gazlan is. This is a famous piece. Why is a Ghanav punished more than a Ghazlan? A Ghazlan has to return the item. Maximum, he has to bring an Asham Gazelot and an, add a fifth. A, a Ghanav could end up paying five times as much as what he stole. 
So Amar lahen ze ishva kvod ever the kvod kono. The uh, the Gazlan at least equated the honor of other people, the honor of God, with the honor of other people. He's not afraid of anybody. He's not afraid of people. He's not afraid of God. He's brazen. The um, the Ganav is more afraid of being seen by people than by being seen by God. It's uh, as if he made it uh, that the uh, that God's eye and God's ears aren't paying any attention. Uh, they hide and do these things in the dark um, and uh, and hide their actions. They said, God's not watching. God has left the land. God doesn't see. All right. Gamliel authored a mashal to explain this about the Ganav. There's two people in one city, and they both made parties. One invited the townspeople, but not the royalty. The other one invited none of them, just his own family, perhaps. Which one is going to be punished more? The one who did invite the townspeople and didn't invite the royalty. So the same thing. A Goslin didn't invite anybody. He doesn't care about anybody uh, seeing him. But the Ganav is as if we were in, in as if he, he honored the townspeople. He wants to hide from them. Doesn't want to hide from God. Amarab Meir, Bore Kamagadol Koach Shamalacha, look how important work is. Shore should be Lomimlachto Khamisha. If you steal an ox, an ox works. So you've stopped the ox from working and you've taken away from Malacha. So you have to pay five times as much. But a said that you did not do such a thing because uh, they graze. What do they do? Arba, you only have to pay four times. Zakai turns that inside out. Look how great honor for people is. People is even the honor for Ganavim. <coughs> we assume when somebody rustles an ox that the ox walks. So the person didn't have to carry him. So he pays five. But a lamb he had to carry. So he pays one unit less because he also had his kavod lesson because of the fact that he had to schlep the lamb on his shoulders. Okay, we'll stop at this point and we'll pick up with Mishnah Zion, the final Mishnah in Parag Zion, in the next podcast. On Daf, Ayin Tet Amud Bet. Everyone should have a wonderful day.